Blog Talk Radio. Hello there. Tonight's episode partner for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, number 210, is the new web series, Dummy. Dummy, a new web series starring Joe Dallow, written by Joe Dallow and directed by Joe Dallow, has just had episode three go up. Yes, it's called Meet, Greet, and Repeat. Go check it out. Go to YouTube.com, search Dummy Web Series, so you can watch episode three, watch episode two, watch episode one. Go check it out. We insist. Now it's time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Hold the phone. Hey, brother. <laughs> Look, it's serious. Serious. We could make you delirious. Delirious. Just a bit outside. Just gotta stop, man. We keep having the same conversation. New York, Bayside, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. It is time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 210. Hi, it's the last one of 2014. Happy New Year, almost, kind of, sort of. It's Tuesday, December the 30th, it's 10.30 p.m., it's time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. We're going to talk uh, New York Sports Night. It's not that big a deal. It's really not. Bishop Big Donut is here, our producer, our bon vivant. He is dipping something in something. He's eating, as usual, late night at RTU. Top 10 things Bishop Big Donut eats during a program. I'm having the t-shirts printed as we speak. Uh, Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Sam Pete, uh, a.k.a. Well, no. My a.k.a. would be Sam Pete. My name is Steve Sampietro. Hi. Hi. I'm one of the hosts of the program. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. If you're joining us live, this is streaming, of course, on Blog Talk Radio. And then, of course, we are available in iTunes tomorrow morning. So subscribe to our podcast. This is our 210th episode. We've been doing it for a while. Frankly, uh, we know what we're doing. Some might say uh, we're experienced podcasters. I think that's maybe strong. 
I think that's giving us a bit too much credit. Hi, welcome to the program. There's a ton of New York sports to talk about tonight. The Jets done did it. They done did it. They done did it to Big Leroy. <laughs> Black Monday came and the Jets have made a huge change. The organization is at a critical crossroads. And um, we're going to talk all about it. We're going to talk about what we want to see them do, what they, what we think they might do, and then how they'll screw it up. So it'll be, no, see, that's the wrong attitude. That's a terrible attitude. That's defeatist. David Mamet would write in a play, no, F that, that's defeatist. So uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, the Islanders have the most wins in franchise history before the turn of the year, and yet we're not pleased there either. <laughs> So we're going to talk about the Islanders, and we're going to talk about the NFL playoffs. It's wild card weekend. I love it so much. So welcome to the program. Let's get on with it. Number 210. Thank you for joining us. Grab a cup of coffee, uh, maybe a glass of wine, uh, maybe a beer, adult beverage. It's the night before amateur hour, so tonight's the night to drink. If you're a pro, tonight's the night you drink. You know, I never get crazy on New Year's Eve. It's, you know, it used to be 200 nights of the year for me, so... That's amateur hour. The 30th, that's the night you go big. Uh, so let's uh, bring in the co-host of the program. His name Kel. is the first one. That's the guy. His name is the uh, the first one. Uh, he's not a doctor. I wish we, can, we should start calling him Dr. Cal. Cal. I don't think that's going to go over well. I, I want to do that, and I want, but I want it to be like Johnny Fever. So you're not really a doctor, you're a DJ, and they call you Dr. Cal. That means you're like super hip and cool. If we're asking for trouble, do you think so? This might. Asking for trouble, I think, is a different podcast. <laughs> That's right. That comes on after us. That comes on after us, asking for trouble. That comes on after the green thumb. <laughs> That's my wife's podcast. With with Bill Jones. No, that's uh, the Green Thumb. That's my mother-in-law's podcast. She does the gr- Green Thumb. <laughs> the Green Thumb with Nana P. That's good. Um, hey, buddy. Hey, Happy New Year. Happy New friend. Merry Christmas too. Merry we missed Christmas, the, happy the holidays. Let's you know. We missed the Kringle there. Yep, we did. Uh, how was your uh, your Kringle? Was uh, a nightmare. Okay. Yeah. Oh, listen. You you put things in perspective. Sure. And you get to the other side. And you look back and you say, "Wow, that's dunk." Is that a is that an Aerosmith lyric? Are you just writing a new Aerosmith song right now? Yeah, put it in perspective, Sassafras. <laughs> he yeah. turned Sassafras into a lyric. He did. Like at, at some point, Steven Tyler was like, "I need, How am I, I, need I need a lyric here." <laughs> I got I got an opening in the song. And I got this word sassafras that I've been dying to use. I got to get it in there. How do I make this work? Kiss your sassafras. And scene. Dirty. And Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler's the only one who can get away with sassafras and 37 mamas. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, it sounded like you were writing an Aerosmith song. Well, you're, well you, you're, you're on the other side of it. Perspective. I got we're good. We're good. Here we are. How are you? I'm good to, uh, you know, had the same uh, same problem as you with the sick children over Christmas. Yeah, not fun. It's not a good time. Not fun. Mo- I mean, mostly because you feel bad. The, the kids wait their entire year for Christmas. And then when they're sick, on the one day that they've been waiting their whole year for, right. 
It's a kid. You feel awful. And and Wesley, this was like his first year, like all in. That he gets it now, right? That he gets it. You know, he just turned four. I mean, he was pumped. He was fired up. Elf on the shelf in full swing. By the way, you saved Christmas. Should I tell everybody how you saved Christmas? Yeah, yeah, because I was very <laughs> proud of that. It was shortly thereafter, after I got your message that yeah. I saved Christmas, right. that my daughter threw up. Right, and got strep, strep right. throat back. Right. right. So uh-huh. I had, you know, I had maybe like a 30-minute window on Christmas where I was feeling good. <laughs> where? So I got back from Texas. We got back from, <laughs> I wasn't by myself. We got back from Texas on Christmas Eve at about 7 o'clock. I think if there are any kids listening to the podcast right now, yeah, you this might is want the to time. If you're listening to the podcast with your children, this is the time to to turn it off. Spoiler alert! Huge we, spoiler! We're, alert. Give, we're giving you plenty of notice. Huge so spoiler we, alert! We cannot be held responsible. This is not a story about the elf on the shelf or Santa Claus. Spoiler alert! The views expressed by R2 Sports do not necessarily reflect the views of adults everywhere. <laughs> The Elf on the Shelf is just a toy. It is not to be confused with this. <laughs> is he playing his own intro music? Is he just bringing himself he in? He decided to, to jump in. the middle of the story. He's walking in, you know, <laughs> dragging on a cigarette. Before I even get to that story, apparently there's a chalk no, outline I just, I just somewhere in my, in my I thought kitchen. you guys were delving into devious details, so I put on the, the mystery music, that's all. But that's your intro music. I thought he was coming in to, to solve the case. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, it got dark in here. The case of the my intro music show. tonight will be, will be different. There will oh. be different intro music tonight. Very okay, well, well then, then walk out of here so you can play <laughs> Please, Please walk back out so we can do an official entrance. All right. Let's walking out. It was 7 p.m. on Christmas Eve. We had just arrived home. We had just arrived home from Austin, Texas. Packages everywhere. We had to put Christmas together. Uh, we did. We should be claymation as we're having this conversation. Well, yeah, obviously. What are we going to do about Christmas? No, so we, um, we figure out that uh, we have left Henry, our elf on the shelf, in Texas. So he's made the trip with us, and Teresa's mom texts her and, with a picture of Henry sitting on the, his last known whereabouts in their house <laughs> in Texas. And Teresa just shows me the picture, and she's like, what, what are we going to do? We've, so I, we're panicked now. I had to go out and get um, wrapping paper anyway because all of our gifts had been shipped to us while we were away. And so we're going to get Christmas together for the boys after they go to sleep. So now I'm out on a hunt for an elf on the shelf. This is Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve to replace Henry. Right. Figuring they all look the same. <laughs> you know, I'm going to pull a fast one on, on Wesley. But you just, had just watched the Brady Bunch. Correct. <laughs> you were going to replace the elf. Right. So we're texting. We're all texting in our uh, our little WhatsApp chat room. The RTU chat room. Me, you, Dr. Eristat, and Nello. And I uh, I texted out that I was on the hunt for a um, an elf on the shelf, and I was going to I went to Toys R Us and CVS, and I'm going all over town. And Cal chimes in, "Wait, read the book. Tonight's his last night. He doesn't show up on Christmas morning. Christmas Eve, the elf on the shelf's work is done." And I said, "I don't know if he'll buy it." <laughs> <laughs> But we'll see. So Teresa tries that one out with Wes, and he, 
You're not supposed to touch him. Cal just picked up his elf on the shelf. Don't touch him. No, I didn't. He will lose his magic. He's not here. So uh, Teresa runs this past Wesley and says, you know, Henry, because the minute we walked in the door from Texas, Wesley's first words were, oh, Henry didn't beat us here. I'm surprised. (laughs) He literally said that. I love. He literally said that. Mommy, Daddy, Henry didn't beat us here. I'm surprised because we flew and he has magic. I'm surprised. He's using magic. I'm surprised. <laughs> did he walk Did he walk in and just kind of look around and go, He did. Hmm. He did. Well, this is curious. He totally did. That's how, how is it that now, of course, he has like a Columbo jacket on and he's doing, <laughs> you know. It's a strangest thing. It's a funny thing, Your Honor. And this, hey, is when, this is when the music would have played. Right. One more, one more thing, Your Honor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bother you. It's strange. Uh, that Henry wouldn't beat us since we were on a plane and he's using magic. Uh, so I was just curious uh, where well, Henry like Peter might Fox. be. So, <laughs> so I text this to Teresa and I say, look, uh, and Cal, you were like, go check the book. It's in the book. It's in the story. No, I didn't, I didn't tell you to check the book. I thought you did. No, because I think Wes checked the book. Wes, Wes asked for proof. That sounds fishy to me. Mommy, I'm going to see that book. Let's uh let's get the storybook out here for a second cuz I I don't know if that's accurate. And so Teresa t- takes out the book and sure enough, he goes back on Christmas Eve that night and he does not return until next year. That's right. So, Teresa played it as um he must have left right from Texas and gone yeah. back to the North Pole. Like, he wasn't going to stop here and then go to the North Pole. You know, what would the travel frequent flyer miles? <laughs> you know. Uh, I mean, he doesn't want to lay over in Bayside when he can go direct to the North Pole. Uh, and he bought it. So he came out into the living room and said, Goodbye, Henry. See you next year. I yelled it out loud. It but we had, we had to get the book out to prove it. Well, and I was then able to come home. <laughs> so you saved Christmas. So you just your your mission was aborted at that point. You got correct. To just... I walked. I sprinted out of Toys R Us. Sprinted. <laughs> Couldn't get out of there fast enough. Anyway, uh, thank you for saving Christmas. I hope uh, Emma feels better soon, man. Yeah, she'll be fine. You know, she's she's a tough kid. She's she's fine right now. You would right. never know. You should kick your ass. Well, she will. She she will rough you up. She you know nothing nothing phases this kid. Ain't nothing gonna break her stride. Would you say? Ain't nobody gonna slow her down. No. God, I hate that song for some reason. Yeah, that one that one was tough. And and we're also a callback. We're referring back to uh, episode 209, which dropped yesterday, which was a fun load, uh, which is getting a lot of very funny and positive feedback. Oh, yeah? No kidding. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, Cousin Michelle loved it. Uh, Jay Mafali. Mafali. Loved it, how frequently it was mentioned. We should bring in the guy who was really behind it. I mean, really... Disco Duck uh, is really playing playing quite well right now. So you can go check that out, by the way. Go to iTunes uh, and download episode 209. Oh, there he is. This is Mountain Dew. To the extreme, Doritos. Code red in your face. Mountain Dew, up your ass. Pick up the solo. Oh, there it is. There it is. 
Somebody just smashed a chair over someone's head. <laughs> it's really crazy in here. Is Steve Stevens going to do all of our uh, our intro music from now on, or just let me He's know? He's on a retainer. He's on yeah. a retainer. We use him when we need him. That's all. He's that wasn't gonna, Satriani? No, that's not Joe Satriani. It's it's he's gonna uh, Steve Stevens is gonna play the Top Gun anthem immediately after that. By the way, Satriani does not return my calls since the no. incident. Never has. <laughs> when, when, you, when you called him, when you called him a wop guitar flop, you <laughs> <laughs> called him ah Satriani, you 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 guinea wop guitar faker to his face, wow. to his face. The rest of his band wow. was like, yo, Joe, you going to take that? From a guy <laughs> named Cachopo? Then he gave him a wedgie. That was uncalled for. Yeah. Then he detuned his, his E-string. My reputation, if I have one, is for the ability to start fights. And <laughs> not yeah. participate in them, but just, you know, leave and let, let the, the mob fight itself. Did I... <laughs> <laughs> and your reputation precedes you. I'm an agitator. Um, how could your reputation... Is there another way for your reputation to, to come in there? It would follow you. Your reputation yes. precedes you. Meaning that... Or your reputation sort of trails behind you. Like, look at that right. guy. Proceeds you. <laughs> well, it... How could it... What's the reverse of your reputation preceding you? It follows you. So you walk into a room, and then everybody realizes, oh, yeah, there's PJ, the agitator. Right. Otherwise, it's, oh, here comes the agitator, <laughs> right. PJ. That's, that's when his reputation precedes him. That's when it precedes him. Right. Right. But his reputation follows him if we only realize it after he's in the room. Once it's too late. Everybody cover <laughs> your bellies. PJ's He's coming. already started something, and then it's too late. We're already fighting. How did this happen? Oh, PJ must have Why been here. Why do he in fisticuffs? There are melees everywhere that man walks into a room. Donnie Brooks, if you will. We're going to talk well, about Well, I don't like physical altercations, but I like to see people, oh. you know, get their ire raised. You like to verbally spar. If you, uh, I like to dismantle oh. people when I can. I, I do like to verbally spar. If, no. if there's nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awfully nice of you. I'm also I'm perfectly happy to sit down and just have the nice fun conversation with people. I don't need to get competitive about anything. No. But if it's waning, then sure. you know. Then I, I mean if it's firecrack. If it's low hanging fruit and it's just sitting there and I'm bored. Well maybe maybe just some, some folks just like to watch it burn. Right. <laughs> I Thank slipped right know. into <laughs> slipped right into to Alfred there. Oh speaking uh, of Michael Caine. Alfred talking. Did, did you remember to do Muppets Christmas Carol yet? Did I? What now? I said, speaking of Michael Caine, did you yes. remember to do the Muppet Christmas Carol? Was was that like an it's assignment? An oft, <laughs> it's an oft-overlooked Christmas movie that's awesome, and kids love it. I gotta check my inbox more often in the RTU in the RTU break room. I, I'm pretty sure I sent out reminders. Yeah. I got to tell you, I'm lucky I had a tree up this year. <laughs> oh, man. Much less remember to, to watch a, a specific movie. <laughs> We're happy that the tree made it out of the box. There's no lights on it. 
Heaven. I mean, <laughs> I, w- I was in Walgreens buying hand sanitizer for the stockings at four o'clock on Christmas Eve. Ah, uh, small things, yeah. Yeah, La- I, but like, oh no, I forgot the stockings. <laughs> you were like, like four, like right before dinner. You were like uh, family ties. You like yeah. the family ties Christmas special, or or uh, friends did the same thing, right? Yeah, where Chandler and Joey buy uh, stuff at like the Seven Eleven or something like that. I just I give PJ if you were one of those people that remain, uh, what's the word? Um, see, I'm all scattered right now. Uh, what's the word? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Flatulent. I can't think of it. Oh. In control. Okay. Um, you can you can just use in control. I completely can't think of the word. Wow. This is upsetting. What's wrong yeah. with in control? That's yeah. not the word. <laughs> what are you trying to express? If you're one of those people who remains of the day... <laughs> Combobulated as opposed to discombobulated? Organized. Organized. That's right. the word. Thank you. Wow. I could not think of the word organized. Ding ding! It's gonna I'll be a be, great I'm sports talk this, show. This hole over here, <laughs> just you know, licking my wounds. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for those of you that can remain organized during the holiday season. That's where I was going with that. Well done. Oh, I can't. <laughs> Purell for the stocking. That just that just hit me. By the way, did you get like a copy of like People magazine? I uh yeah, it was Glamour. <laughs> it was Glamour magazine. Well, we do that. And well, yeah, like, disparaging. Emma's like, oh, thanks. It's beef jerky. I... Not for her. <laughs> for who? For Alice? My wife. Oh. I'm only responsible for one person during the holidays, and I can't even get that Hello. one. Oh. <laughs> so You're not allowed to touch or weigh in on the kids' gifts? No, I, I just don't. I'm not, in, I'm not included in the process. Unless boxes need to be brought down to the basement. Then you're in. That's my role. Right. Oh. Got to do something. Have your hiding places been discovered yet? Yes. Yes, so that's... My daughter was walking around with Olaf earmuffs since October. (laughs) (laughs) She found those. Boy, that's some early shopping, though. She was just... She was looking for black socks for Halloween. Right. So she decided to go into my sock drawer. Right. Because she figured my black socks would be longer on her. Yes. A well, logical a logical assumption. Right. Oh, what's this? Oh, hello. Merry Christmas in October. Yeah. If that's the worst thing in your sock drawer, you're very lucky. Yeah, exactly. My sock drawer, yeah. the kids go right into therapy. Please. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. I didn't think I was getting a penthouse forum letters. For. Well, say that. You, go, you, go, you have to go under the drawer. <laughs> not in the drawer. What do you have? Like a James Bond cutout suitcase drawer? <laughs> let's, just, let's say if the drawer fell off the track and out of the dresser. Right. There might be some problems. There might be some issues. Let wow. me let me tell you a quick a quick story. We have a friend who I will not name, but we were in a band with him. <laughs> and uh Sort of limited. 
<laughs> it does. And he decided that the best place to hide uh, naughty things was in the drop ceiling above the home office. Perfectly logical. <laughs> How could that backfire? What could go wrong? <laughs> I can't. I can't believe something went wrong with that plan. Well, someone was vacuuming the drop ceiling, and <laughs> and and used the 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 wand attachment to like go up and get like dusties and dust bunnies and cobwebs and whatever else would be along the ceiling. Sure. And nudge. I don't think I don't think dusties are a thing, by the way. The dusties. You're gonna get the dusties. Yeah, I don't, don't think that's a thing. All that's right. Well, that's my word to, of the To moment. prevent the dust from from accumulating. <laughs> you take you take two dusties. Two dusties. They come in citrus or berry. Well, she knocked. She, she, she knocked Johnson out. Johnson. She, she knocked out a ceiling tile. Right. And everything and, came down. And avalanche came down. That's great. That's so fantastic. Much. Just telling you ahead of time, don't use the drop ceiling. Yep, there goes my plan. For whatever we're talking about. Yes. <laughs> Which is nothing. Which is nothing. nothing. We're not talking about anything. I don't know what we're you're talking about. We're not talking, talking about, about anything. No, Everything you're talking about is making me very uncomfortable. All. <laughs> all right, let's get to sports. PG. How was PJ's Christmas? Come on. What? Why are you yelling at me? We didn't even ask him. He's so organized. He probably, you know, put up his tree at a, oh, 0800 hours. I, I got to say, Steve. Yes. You know, you're being a little rude to me, I think. I apologize. I think Cal's right. I'm being rude to the no, producer. That's uh, fine. Uh, <laughs> Nobody Christmas likes you very much fan- anyway, Steve. Christmas was fantastic. We we have done nothing but eat and go to shows and movies the whole this whole time. That sounds fun. We started, That's fantastic. We, we saw a Christmas Carol uh, live on stage at the McCarter Theater, and then and then restaurant, and then Christmas Eve, and then restaurant, and then Christmas Day was just wow. food, 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 food. We hosted 18-course meal, and then we've gone to see The Hobbit, and Annie, and restaurant, and restaurant, and we have gout now, but it's we're having a good time. <laughs> We have gout as a family, which is nice. Yeah, it's familial gout. Well, you want to share. Um, that sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. Let me ask you, um, did you take out a mortgage for this Christmas? Or? It sounds like, a very, sounds like a very expensive Christmas. Restaurant, restaurant, Broadway show. Restaurant, restaurant, show. Restaurant, restaurant. 18-course well, meal we hosted. The 18-course meal was... Was was a, a little expensive to put together, but when I say restaurant for my family, that's like Panera bagels, you know. <laughs> right. Okay. Cheese cheeseburger right. cheeseburger. <laughs> right. You're not going to to Sardi's after a no, Broadway show. As a matter show. of fact, we we hold it. We, it it's <laughs> actually a point of pride that we we can go to a restaurant uh, as a family of four, and we we agree not to buy sodas, and we can always bring in bring in the entire bill for thirty two dollars. We're the $32 family. <laughs> family of four? Family $32. of four. We can, eat out, we can eat out and tip for $32. Get the hell out of here. Where are you what going? Are you, what are you eat in 1981? <laughs> <laughs> we visit some soup kitchens. 
Where you get in the DeLorean? <laughs> Where do you go to eat? 1984? <laughs> I, look, we're very good. What are you giving the kids to eat? Water and two breadsticks? Everybody <laughs> eats. Slices. Everybody eats exactly what they want, but we've learned how to order things that come with salads on the side. And kids' meals that come with it. With a with a with a with a cookie or a, or a, or a pudding or something, and it's all very satisfying, and it's thirty two dollars no matter what we do. I don't buy it. Yeah, I don't buy that at all. You, well, I, I go, just said you got to take out the soft drinks. Take out your soft drinks, and then you build those. I don't those drink soft drinks. You I don't drink soda. soft drinks. I do not drink soda, good sir. He doesn't. Right. PJ. I have a cup of coffee oh. when we go out to dinner. Okay, that's four bucks. No, it's not. I'm not at the diner. It's a dollar twenty-five. Because you're not going to restaurant. I'm going to Jackson Hole to the diner. That's a diner. Well, where's he going? He's going to restaurant, restaurant, restaurant. <laughs> Three times restaurant. That's right. <laughs> That's the name of the place. We, restaurant, restaurant, restaurant. We went, restaurant. To, Bobby's, we went like to Bobby's Ro- Burger Palace. Like Rochelle, Rochelle. You it's went very to Bobby's. Easy to eat at Bobby's Burger. Yeah, you you did not spend thirty two dollars at Bobby's Burger Palace. There's no chance. Seven dollars a plate. There's what no do they chance. charge for burgers by you? It, uh, I got the Hall Carolina burger. Bucks. It was seven dollars. What are you talking about? In the city? Well, I'm in the city. I live in Freehold. <laughs> I thought you said you went to see a show in the city, or one of those shows was a Broadway show. I thought we did. Yeah, that was at the, the MacArthur Theater. And 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 where did you go to eat after that? We went back to Jersey and ate. Your kids are starving. <laughs> Making them drive all the way back to That's Brio. how they do it on $32. <laughs> My kids are positively meaty. They they've never starved. Please. I'm just I just want to go to a place called Restaurant Restaurant Restaurant. That's what we should open is a place called Restaurant Restaurant. Exclamation points after each one. Beetlejuice right. shows up. <laughs> At the restaurant. restaurant. I should restaurant. ask my wife. She just walked past me. My wife? When we go out to eat and... <laughs> when, hold on. Here's my wife. When we go out to eat and we don't order sodas, how much does dinner cost? That does not cost 40 bucks. <laughs> ah, there it is. She doesn't know is. anything. Tonight wow. I'm ready to unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Special guest Tina Cachopo will come on and dispel everything that her husband says. Can't wait for Tina to come on. Thank in, you. in two words. She said two, in two words, words on the show. 40 ever. bucks. That was it. That was it. The best. She's like Vera from Cheers. <laughs> nice friends, Norm. And Ruins that's it. everything. 200 episodes. She finally speaks, and all she says is 40 bucks, and it ruins PJ entirely. Absolutely ruined. Magnificent. So, I was so absolutely hopeful that she was going to nail it. <laughs> Completely, you, you guys just lost the newlywed game by a lot. Total, please. Never put us on there. You know what? I, I'm going to say this about the newlywed game, and then we really have to talk about sports because it's been a half an hour. Why, did anything happen this week? <laughs> no. It's been very oh, quiet. No. But the newlywed game, as game shows go, I am a huge fan. I love the concept. I think it's great. And I have a friend who was on the new Newlywed game. One of the guys I so play do baseball I. with. One of the guys I play baseball with. Uh, one of my old you know, baseball player friends. 
was on with his wife, and they didn't tell anybody. And we found it, and it made the rounds. How did you? How would you find that? Somebody, somebody talked. Somebody squealed. Restaurant, restaurant, restaurant. Somebody talked. Um, and, and, and I I love that show. That's a great concept for a game show. That's fun. Everybody wins. That was Chuck why can't Barrett. They, why can't they make game show? No, it wasn't. Well, he created. As the creator, I mean. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking host. I'm sorry. Bob no. Eubanks. Bob Eubanks, yes. And of course, the most famous line in game show history, which. The where's it? What are you doing, Cal? You look like you're rearranging the basement. What are you doing? Things are falling. <laughs> Things are falling down. Oh, there's the Christmas tree. <laughs> What's the most he's, famous? He's taking down his stuff from the drop ceiling now that he just got my advice. <laughs> <laughs> what are those panels doing all over the place, Cal? Doing a little redecorating. Yeah, the elf on the shelf just flew by behind you. <laughs> what is the most famous line in game show history? Well, it's a little risque. You can't say it? I can. They could say it on the show. What it has to do with making whoopee? It did. Yeah. Where's, how, where's the strangest place you've ever made whoopee? All right. And the guys answer. You guys have never seen this? Are you serious? It's like the most famous game show clip in history. I've seen it. And the guy's answer was, I'm going to have to say in the butt, Bob. Oh. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. Ass. <laughs> it went a little something like this. Uh, yay or nay on the newlywed game, Cal? Nay. PJ? Love all game shows I'm in. <laughs> I smell a fun load. Um, I have two other mm-hmm. topics for the fun load, too. So let's do... Uh, let's, get... Just, let's get the sports out of the way. I don't want to get it out of the way. I'm looking forward to talking about it. You make it sound as if it's if it's, it's a burden. <laughs> as if it's some sort of cross that you have to bear. I don't know why. Hey, you know you, you you know you know the old saying. If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. That's right. You do what you love. So let's love talk the, sports. Love the one you're with. Well, My I, computer just crashed. Oh boy. Mike, I, I have got the blue screen of death here. So uh, when you talk sports, you're going to have to mute me because I, uh, my computer's. Because you're going to be cursing at your computer. <laughs> no, I just I have no other unless I hang up the phone. I have no other way of muting the soundboard. Oh, right. Got it. Okay, here we go. This is Joe Saxon. Yes, it is. This was before he called him a, a guinea wop baker. And uh, so, look, it doesn't get any more interesting, I think, for a fan when something seismic is going on with your team in the front office and in coaches and especially in football. So this is, you know, yesterday was Black Monday. We've been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks when it comes to the Jets. So I want to start obviously with the Jets and Black Monday. And then I want to talk about the NFL playoffs because I have a lot to ask you about there. And then I want to talk about the Islanders. Also important. 
Um, we we did the the big Jets roundtable show with Dom Cosentino, Chris Lapresti, Joe Caparoso, these great uh, Jet beat writers. Uh, two of them being actual Jet beat writers, the other one being the leading Jet blogger. And we all put our speculation in. This was what Cal five weeks ago. Uh, at least say, say it was right around Thanksgiving. It was right before Thanksgiving. So. It finally happened. Black Monday finally showed up, and it's strangely exciting. I feel like Alanis, Alanis Morissette must be strangely exciting. Um, you should be really fired up about your team, Cal, I feel like, because they're making a playoff run when it comes to football. But this is, and that's unbelievably exciting, and we had that a couple of years ago when we first started the show. We actually had two of them. Um, we got to enjoy two of those runs um, and talk about the games and talk about that stuff. This is a really weirdly close second, <laughs> excitement-wise. And this is a huge moment for the Jets. This is a huge moment for Jet fans, for the organization. They haven't, you know, this is the first time they've had a new coach in six years. Rex Ryan's been here for six years. Two years ago, obviously, they hired John Itzik, but they didn't get rid of Rex, so they didn't make the clean slate. This is huge, Cal. And I want to first get your, we talked a little bit about it, but I want to ask you, 24 hours later, how you view the Woody uh, Woody Johnson press conference in light of the fact that he may have tampered. (laughs) There's a very good chance he tampered with Darrell Rivas, and they're going to be punished for it. How do you? How are you feeling about that press conference? How are you feeling about Woody's decisiveness? And then let's take that into today. All the candidates ever for the GM and the, and the head coaching job ever. Yeah. I mean, do you still feel as good about that presser as you did yesterday? Um, I felt. You know what I felt good about with the press conference was how revealing it was. Yeah. Agreed. Because because we went into that press conference and we were talking yesterday morning and, and I you know, I certainly approached it from a what's he gonna say? It's gonna be a dog and pony show again. And at least he speaks better than John Idzik. So it's not gonna be an embarrassment, but he's not gonna say anything of note and and he's gonna just go through the motions and do the press conference because he has to do it. He's going to say nothing. The the media is going to try every which way to get him to say something and trick him into it, and he's just not going to do it. And I, I was I was very surprised with how forthcoming he was and how honest he was with a lot of things that he said. You know, he took he took shots at Mike Tannenbaum. He took a shot. He took shots at John Idzik, but he also defended John Idzik. He was very, very careful not to take shots at Rex. But he did because he knew that's what the media was looking for. Yes. And so the fan base. And the fan base. Because if fan. you if you have a problem with Rex Ryan, but not, as, a, but as most a Jet fan, it was that he never became a complete head coach, right? Yeah, but, yeah, but most of the fan base, I think... Uh, was upset to see Rex Ryan go. Right, I'm saying the the only thing Woody Johnson could sort of call out Rex Ryan on, he did. Right. 
and it, and he did it under the guise of what are you looking for in a head coach? That question. Right. Um, yeah, I think you're spot on, Cal. And I pulled a couple things out today that I, I rewatched it today, and there were a couple things that I pulled out that were really fascinating to me. One of which is, I think we learned what John Itzik's failing was and what cost him his job. What's that? Because you made a comment about that, and I was curious yeah. to hear what you thought. Woody talked about, well, you know, in hindsight, we should have spent more. And that, you know, that $20 million was, he had a plan for that money. He wasn't talking about this year. No. He was talking about last offseason. And, oh, so, and so I think if anything was true about John Itzik that we read and heard, it was he was indecisive to a fault, and he lost out on guys because of that. So you think that he had a plan for that $20 million. He wasn't, because we always thought that. I think he wanted to spend it. So we always thought he kind of kept that money because he knew he had extensions coming up and renegotiations with some of the big players like Wilkerson and Richardson. Yeah. And, and so we thought that he was hanging on to that money to spend in the future. Right. And now you're, you're saying that, based on what Woody said, yeah. Idzik's plan was to try to spend it last year and he just and he lost out. And he failed. He couldn't close deals. Maybe they wanted to sign Dominique Rogers-Carmarty. They, maybe they made him an offer and it was too low. He let him get out of the building. The Revis thing, I don't know what to make of, Cal. I really don't. You know, it's reported now all the time, Cal, as if the idea that Revis reached out to the Jets first is a fact. And I've never seen that as a fact. No, and, I mean, and so I, you know, and Woody Johnson saying if if I known if I had known we could have had him at that price, what price? What was he talking about? I think I think what Woody said because he signed with New England for twelve million dollars, right? Right. One year, twelve million. Well, it's a two year contract. There's a twenty five million dollar poison pill in it right. that keeps Revis from being there next year. Right. So the the Patriots are either going to renegotiate with him before March or cut him. Right. And he becomes a free agent again. Otherwise, so th- otherwise, if he's on the ro- I'm sorry, Cal. If he's on the roster like March 24th, he gets a 25 million dollar contract. Okay. So it's not going to happen. So I think I think that Woody, I what I took from that comment was that he didn't even bother negotiating with him. Right. Because he thought Revis was going to ask for the moon. For a long-term deal in the moon, right. Right. And, Woody and not was, $12 million in one year. Right. And, and, and I don't know if Woody was advised, you know, let's not, even, let's not even deal with him. Because we're not going to be able to give him what he wants. And he's just going to use us and make us look bad right. in the media. Which I could totally see. But Which I, may, I think, and that's what happened. They wound up looking bad anyway. I think Itzik wanted to use that money and failed. And I think it cost him his job. Yeah. I mean, that in the mid-season press conference. I mean, I, you know, I didn't think it was that bad at the time, Cal. I guess, you know, in hindsight. Oh, it was, it was bad, Steve. Yeah, no, no, I know. I know that I know that now in hindsight. I think I didn't, I think I didn't was, want it to be that bad. And in hindsight, yeah. watching it now and seeing, uh, you know, seeing the rambling first 17 minutes and all that jazz, um, it was. It was terrible. And And if he... I gradually came to feel like he was in over his head from a media standpoint, probably in this town. Um, and we've we've said that on the show a couple of times. I'm not trying to exonerate myself from 
You know, I I I didn't want to think it was that bad. And then I watched you it know, again, and it was. It was it was bad. But you know what's interesting about him is I, I can probably count on one hand the number of times I heard him speak to the media. Yeah. Well, when right? he in first two, got two the job, years, he, right. When he first got the job, he went on with Francesa. He went on with Mike and Mike. He went on with you know he went on in in certain places, and that was it. You didn't hear from him again. Then you didn't hear from him again. Um, and that might have been by design. I mean, you, he was on ESPN Radio a couple times, uh, Cal, during training camp. He was on with Kay. Uh, he was on right before the season started. Uh, he was on with Boomer Carton right before the season started. Um, but you didn't really hear from him. and maybe Not that as was, much as you heard from Tannenbaum. No, of course not. But And maybe that was by design for Probably. him. You know, but I, I was starting to feel this today, too. I feel he was a little sacrificial lambish in the sense that, you know, Woody kind of made, if Woody gave him credit at all, it, for, it was for coming in and doing what he was supposed to do. Yeah. Which was trading the best player on the team, which he was under a mandate to do, getting the best he could get back for that player, uh, for Revis, and, and just getting their cap situation sorted out, which he did. You know, he 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 has failed to uh, have an impact, or he failed to have an impact with the 19 draft picks he had, um, other than using one to trade for like a Chris Ivory, um, you know, to get uh, Harvin this year, um, and Sheldon Richardson obviously is his. You know, the rest of his draft is unbelievably incomplete. Uh, leaning towards not having any impact players outside of Sheldon Richardson. So I feel like he was a little sacrificial lambish. Like even his even his parting statement was like, Thanks. You know, thanks to the thanks to the Jets, I got to work with a lot of good people. We'll see you later. I mean obviously I didn't expect some sort of tome from him, especially after he got destroyed for giving one at the mid season press conference. And also, you know, flying Itzik fire Itzik banners in his face. But I, I think, you know, he was hired what he was he never got to name his own coach. He didn't get to name his own scouting department. You know, he I think he did what he was supposed to do with the salary cap. Yep. Just get you, the team out of salary cap hell. So you think that this and not trade any of the draft picks. You think this was the plan all along? I don't know if it, I don't think it was the plan all along to fire him after 2 years or whatever, but I think I don't think Woody really minded firing him after two years. Yeah. I think Woody kind of had to like, well, you know, I didn't, you took the job under the condition of having to keep Rex. And you did what I wanted you to do. You got rid of all the crap contracts. You didn't give out any ridiculous extensions. And we're going to have $40 million of cap room in a top five, <laughs> top six pick. Thanks. <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah. Thanks. Now go be a cap manager somewhere, I guess. He'll probably go back to Seattle. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Who knows what's going to happen to him? You know, well, if the Jets hire Kirchner, <laughs> could he come back? He could go to Seattle and be, you know, go be the assistant GM again. I guess. You know? I, I, all I know is the Itzik chapter is closed, and and um, I graded him as incomplete. I'm not losing sleep that he lost his job. Uh, to go back to my initial point, like it's kind of exciting. It's not the excitement that you want. <laughs> I don't know for sure that he should have, 
but I definitely understand why he did. Right. Yeah, I think, you, I think you, we kind and, of and you couldn't. You, he was never, you know, Lepresti. Chris Lepresti brought this up when we had him on the big Jets round table, and I thought he was spot on. And Dom uh, Cosentino spoke to it too, but they were never going to be on the same timeline. No, like, that was a huge mistake on Woody's part in the first place. You know that, and that that was interesting to hear him acknowledge that it was a mistake. It was, but. Simultaneously, frustrating to hear him acknowledge it two years after we all knew it was a mistake. We all knew it was a mistake, exactly. And you know the other um, situation where they made the same mistake, and the GM and the coach just got fired in Chicago because Phil Emery's first year there, he had to keep Lovey uh, right with the Bears. Lovey went ten and six, and he fired him anyway. Right. Then he brought in his coach. And two years later, they're both gone. Right. No banners or anything, by the way. No I didn't see. Yeah, I didn't see any billboards. Fireemery.com. Fire Websites. Hey, you know, those guys have families and stuff, Cal. And jobs. Don't get me started, please. I can't. We learned, we learned, well, it's part of the story. It is part of the story here. Because they think they did this. No, they don't. Oh, yes, they do. No, they don't. They uh, issued a statement yes, where they don't. They yeah, don't care read, yeah, whether they get a lot of credit or no credit at all. Yeah, I read their statement. That's not why they were in this. It's such. It's ridiculous. All you know what? You wanted, know why they wrote that? You know why they wrote that statement that way? Because Woody Johnson made a point of saying, "I don't listen to the fans. I value the fans' opinion, but I don't listen to them." Right. That's why they made the statement the way they made it. They think they did this. They were. You said it best. I've been using your quote all the time because it was spot on, Cal. They made it sound like they were doing a you know a hunger drive, a food drive for the hungry. Right. We no, sent we're, out we're a, exhausted from all of this work. We and, sent out a thousand packages, and we, we don't have an infrastructure or a company or anything. We're just you know you know just some fans trying to do some good. You really yeah. getting a man fired mm-hmm. with a family and kids? Well, we have families and jobs. Yes. Yeah, so did the guy you just got fired. Well, it wasn't personal. They said that a lot. It wasn't personal. No, it's not personal. Just waving towels in his face at the game. That's not personal. And posting pictures of it on fireitzik.com. Yeah, that was that was the worst. Whatever. I hate this I, this notion now that that's how you show you're a passionate fan. But that's you, the pro- but that's the problem is now you're going to get fans empowered everywhere to do that. You know what though? You don't cuz it started right right here in New York. Yeah. With a couple of jackasses that want to put a billboard up to to get the Wilpons out of here. Yep. Pardon my French. Well, the other the other problem is, like I said, Bears fans aren't passionate. I guess they don't care about their team. It's funny they didn't need any billboards, banners, T-shirts. Uh, look at me! Look at me! Look at me! Crap. Newspaper articles about. Look them. at us! Look at how oh. passionate we are. You might as well have hired. A friggin' PR firm. We don't care. We're not in it for the coverage. Really? Well, then why do you keep contacting reporters? And and somehow Phil Emery still got fired. Yeah. And somehow Mark Tressman still got fired. So, please. So, Jet fans just... They're, they're, I can't. I can't take it sometimes. It's, All right. It's, let's, yeah, I can't. It's, yeah. Go on. No, I just it, it it it's so it's so annoying. I just don't know where I don't know 
I'm having a hard time judging what segment of the fan base we're talking about. Is it's this a huge? Is did you this, see how many they gave out ten thousand towels at a jet game, Cal? Yeah, I know, I know. But is it is it still just a vocal minority that's just really loud? Or, I think it was, I think it was half and half. You want to go that far? Fifty yep. percent of Jet fans were behind this this movement. Yep. I would say fifty percent of Jet fans had no problem with it, mm. and liked you know my uncle Tommy's a prime example. He didn't give them money or whatever, but he liked what they were doing. Good, good. That's his comment. Good. They should do something. They should fire this idiot. Well, they should, but not be not because <laughs> not because of a billboard. Whatever. What do you think John Itzik's going to have to say to uh, his buddies in Seattle about taking a job here? Yeah, I saw that. Well, that's a great point. He's not going to have a... Yeah, but, you know, on the, on the same token, the Jet general manager and the Jet head coaching job are probably desirable positions. Well, now they are, want, thanks to Itzik. Whether or not people want to admit it. <laughs> thanks to Itzik. I mean... I've seen this in numerous places from, like, ex-front office people. The only thing that job doesn't have is a quarterback. That's it. You got $40 million in cap room. You got a number six pick in the draft. You got the number six pick in the draft. You have all your draft picks. You do still have 18 draft picks from the last two drafts around to develop. Well, not all of them are around, but... There's 15 of, of 19. But he also signed the two guys. He signed the one guy from the Steelers who was in that draft class. And he signed the uh, the undrafted wide receiver, Owasu, right. uh, from that draft class. So he technically counts as that draft class. But whatever. you you have, And you have Decker. And you have Harvin. There's talent. You've got Ivory. And Wilkerson. And you've got Richardson and Wilkerson and Copels. And yeah. There's talent there. There's talent. There's no quarterback, and that's a huge no problem. Absolutely. But the, and if you have one of the best facilities in the NFL. That's not a small thing. You have the biggest market in the NFL where guys want to come play. Like, it's it's a desirable position outside of quarterback. So but, let's let's but, talk, you, but we keep talking about outside of quarterback, and that's a huge problem. Sure, that's the big and one. Not an easy fix. Let me ask you a question. This has been on my mind a lot. Over the last 24 hours. Do you think... Geno Smith was... Not a... You know... Sixth round pick. Um, I mean... This was a highly regarded... Well scouted... Quarterback coming out of college. Um, You know... Up for the Heisman... And you know... This was... This was a big time college quarterback... Who at one point was going to be the number one pick in the draft... Or the first quarterback taken. Right? This is not, and he's only in his second year. He's 23 years old, okay? Do you think that maybe of the head coaches and GMs they're going to go talk to, they don't think Geno Smith is broken? Maybe not. Maybe not. He's shown flashes. He has shown flashes of being a good quarterback. I mean, this this week. I'm just saying, I, I wonder, Cal. I wonder what... The guys they bring in to interview and stuff are going to – they they were doing their draft boards when Gino was there. He was just drafted two years ago. You know, you're, if you're and, talking and about – everybody passed on him. And everybody passed on him. If you're talking about – but, you know, obviously Seattle passed on him. They had Russell Wilson. You know, if you're talking about Kirchner and you're talking about 
um, or, or you're talking about maybe the the general manager or the uh, player pro- personnel guy from the Eagles, right? That's another guy that's on the Jets list that they've requested permission for general manager. They had foals, so maybe they, you know, that's why they passed on him. All right, the guy um, uh, Gibson from Minnesota, they had no quarterback. Right. They why did on Why him. did they pass on him? Right. But these guys, these guys have scouting. First of all, they're looking at all player personnel guys, right? It's a good. It's a very interesting point. Because he's not going to make the he's not going to make that mistake again. Or they're looking at a guy like Frank Reich, Cal, who has well, done wonders with Philip Rivers. Has well, done a and, great job. Maybe Frank Reich thinks Geno Smith can play quarterback. Well, here's another. Now that you mention you're going down this road, they've got Ron Wolf involved in looking for the next general manager and head coach. <laughs> right. Your Expendables quote the other day was freaking hilarious. Casterly, <laughs> like Casterly, uh Bruce Willis, Stallone. Stallone, Dolph Lundgren, Jean-Claude Van Damme. They're all they're they've all, they put, they're all looking for a coach. They're this this committee. This is the advisory committee. Uh, I think we ought to take a look. Sorry, that's a terrible Stallone. I'll never do it again. Um, good. No, but but Ron Wolf, who who is a renowned quarterback guy. Yep. He knows he knows quarterbacks. It'll be very interesting to hear. His take on on whether Geno Smith is uh, I mean I know he's just looking for a coach and a general manager, but he's going to be in the room with a potential coach and a potential general manager. They're going to be talking about Geno Smith, of course. It'd be very interesting to hear his take. Now that is not me saying I think Geno Smith can be a good NFL quarterback. Oh, no, no, I'm just not. saying this is a guy two years into his career. Uh, who has absolutely shown flashes? I mean, if you if you look, I know it's fool's gold to think it, but if you take a look at the film against the Dolphins the other day, that that was, you know, you haven't seen a Jet quarterback have a day like that in a while, in a while since last since last year when he played against Miami. Yeah, but he wasn't twenty to twenty five for three fifty eight and three touchdowns. No, 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 no. But he was. But he had his best game. His best. His best games of his two years came in the last game of the year against in, Miami. In Miami. In Miami. Yes. So, but I, I just wonder if that's going to be part of the interview process. It's got to be. Yeah. Because he's not going anywhere. But, but I wonder if that's going to influence who takes this job. Like, does that make Frank Reich a more attractive candidate? You know, to me, even. I like Frank Reich. Well, let's see. how much you bench. Let's talk about it. Let's see who you like. Well, before we do, like, okay, all right, sir. The guy that comes in, you know, you're going to get a guy. Let okay, like Frank Reich is going to come in. They're going to ask him what he thinks of Geno Smith, right? And depending on what they want to do, let's let's say a, co- a potential coach comes in and says, "Now, nah, Geno Smith is, is garbage. We're going to have to find somebody else." That may influence whether or not. Like, I go back to Ron Wolf. If Ron Wolf says he sees something in Geno Smith, and they're going to want him to be around to be the quarterback, they're going to want a guy that's who wants come to in. be on board with them, right? Right, exactly. So I think that I think the Geno Smith specter mm. in this whole thing plays a huge part. It's huge. I think it's I think it's very big. Now, and we had this discussion about um, you know the fact that they're interviewing candidates now, which they need to. Right. They absolutely need to because uh, for two reasons. And this was like a popular one, like only the Jets. Like, you know, why are they interviewing guys before they have a GM? And even I said it. 
But there's a difference. <clears throat> there's, there's a, a diff- there's a there's a difference between this situation and the situation where the GM that was being hired two years ago was forced to keep Rex Ryan. Oh yes, no, there's a there's a huge difference. You know, yes, like and, like Rex, and, Rex and, Ryan was this this entrenched big personality, right? You know, right now, like one of the things that that you read is if the Jets hire Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. The, the defensive coordinator from Seattle. Let's say they have, like, they're they're stuck. They have to hire a coach. All of the coaches are getting hired, so they they hire Dan Quinn. Right. The 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 thought, the prevailing thought around the league is that that's not going to keep a general manager from taking right. the job. Right. He's it's the number Rex one. Ryan. He's the number one candidate out there anyway. Exactly. Um, and he has uh, exactly, and also they have to. Because you can't interview candidates once the playoffs start for assistant coaches on playoff teams. Right. So that's it. You better get your interview now. Right. Because as long as Seattle is in, which the way they're playing, we'll talk about this in a minute, the way they're playing I think is the Super Bowl, you know, you can't interview him till February. Right. So you better get that interview in now. And then the other thing is teams that still have a general manager and no head coach are interviewing away. The night away. Oh yeah. And so you you know like Rex is going down to Atlanta, and Rex is interviewing in Atlanta. Rex is interviewing with the Forty ers Yeah, I mean they've they've lined up dozens of interviews already. Exactly. So you can't sit on your hands and wait until you have a GM. You're going to miss out on head coaching candidates. So you got to get those interviews in now. And thankfully, Woody has Wolf and Casserly with him, and not you know, uh, Foreign Carry or whatever. Corn Corn Ferry. Corn Ferry. Foreign Carry. Whatever. So you feel better about Casterly and Wolf than Corn Ferry? I do. I do. Quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. If I was looking for uh, someone to do my taxes, and I was a big corporation, I'd feel I'd feel good about Corn Ferry. Well, that worked out well. Yeah. Because John Edzik came in. That's right. And he got the books <laughs> in order. Basically, got the books in order. Um, let's one last thing on Rex here. I loved Rex Ryan when he came to the Jets. I spent years defending Rex Ryan. Probably the first four years. You stayed on board when a lot of guys jumped off. Very vociferously defending Rex Ryan. His bravado, his uh, his bluster... His braggadocio, braggadocio, braggadocio. I don't know what bluster is. Yeah, I'm sorry, bluster. Oh, right. Okay. Um, I love that he tried to change the culture of the team, the perception he, around the team. He did, though. He didn't try to. Briefly. It's like the line in Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> <clears throat> PJ's ears just popped up. <clears throat> Finally, I can get back in on the conversation. Unmute me. Unmute He's me. He's like scrambling to get more. <laughs> he, just, he just knocked over Lily to get to the Fell computer. Chair. Yeah. Unmute me. Uh, Judas has the line in, uh, in, in the first song. And all the good you've done will soon be swept away. 
You've become you've begun to matter more than the things you say. Now look, I'm not comparing Rex Ryan to Jesus Christ. <laughs> what I'm trying to do is <laughs> it's 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 pertinent for this reason. And the message of Jesus Christ Superstar, one of them is is certainly um why would you come at that time when there's all this mass media now and you could get your message out there so much better, etc., etc. Rex became more important. The cult of Rex became more important than the culture he was trying to change. And I think all the good he did those first three or four years in terms of the perception of the Jets, their perception in New York... Um, is gone. And they are back to being the little brother dysfunctional mess that they were when Eric Mangini was fired and that they've been for a long time in this city. And I think all the good he did is gone. And that saddens me a lot. Well, it's interesting because I think that's the, I think that's the Jets' lot in their football life is there are pockets of time in their history when they're not. But ultimately, that's the role that they always return to. Right. Isn't but, it? Yes, but he was changing it. No, no. Parcells changed it too. Parcells was not a permanent change, and he was also... Parcells was a giant head coach. Okay? Parcells will always be known in this town as the guy who won two Super Bowls with the Giants. Even if he had won a Super Bowl with the Jets, it would have been tainted by the fact that he was a giant first. And he didn't win. He was here for four years, and he left. But he changed the culture. Actually, I'm sorry, three years, and he left. But he changed the reputation of the team in those three years. He didn't. He gave them legitimacy for a brief window, but he didn't. Rex, Rex was a guy from out of town, no history, and Rex Ryan, you know, Bill Parcells wasn't coming in and saying things like, we're going to win a Super Bowl in four years. And then getting to the AFC Championship game is first two. I saw more Jet jerseys after that 2010 run to the AFC Championship game. I saw more Jet jerseys in this town than I've ever seen in my life. On kids, on adults, on women, men, didn't make a difference. Everybody was wearing a Jets jersey. That's fair. I agree. Rex even said it in his book, The Dope. He said, in five years, no one will talk about the Giants in this town. They'll be talking about the Jets. And he was getting there, and then on Christmas Eve, 2011, they gave up a 90-yard touchdown to Victor Cruz. They had Mark Sanchez, 98, sorry, thank you. They had Mark Sanchez throw the ball 67 times. And they lost. That was the end of... They, they lost a game to the Giants that spurred them to another Super Bowl. And they lost their last three games and missed the playoffs. And they never recovered. Ever. Mark Sanchez never recovered from that game. Ever. Ever. You see, I, 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 I happen to go back to the Pittsburgh game. The, the second AFC Championship game. Well, you, like, you said it. You said it after we watched the game. Yeah. We were all at my brother Scott's house. There was, there was 10, 12 of us there. We were despondent, and you said, that's it. They just closed the window. And you said it on the show the next week. It just felt like... We it. have the tape. 
I know. It just it felt like it at the time. And then they played they they played okay they in that 2011 eight, season. They were eight and five, Cal. They were, yeah. they were rolling along. They were trying to win the division. Yeah. And that Giant game. Uh, I mean, it was the game before that that they lost, and then they lost that Giant game. Well, it was the Philly game, right? The Philly game they got destroyed, right? Was that the that was the first one? Yeah. And then the Giant game. But the Philly game seemed like an aberration. It seemed like they just went in there and got steamrolled. The Giant game was the one that broke them because they they still could have gone ten and six easily. Well, no, they were eight and six going into that Giant game. I'm saying right. they had two. They had two games left. If they win that giant game, they're nine and six, and then they were on the road to a bad Dolphins team, and they could have gone ten and six and made the playoffs. Right, they still could have gotten Do- a wild card. Right, and then the 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 Dolphin game the following week was when all hell broke loose. Right, right. with Antonio Holmes. That's right. And, yeah, that's right. So I'll say this about Rex. I, I loved him. I defended him. I loved that he tried to change the culture of the team. He had to do that. He had to walk in there and say, we're the Jets. F you. Play like a Jet. Right, Cal? Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. And he got a lot of, he got a lot of grief for that. And he got a lot of mileage out of it from his players. And he believed it. it he did. He, you know, he, that did. Was, he loved being head coach of the Jets. And that's the thing. You can say what you want about Rex Ryan, but he, everything that he said, it wasn't an act. Nope. He, he really loved, believed it. He loved, loved being the coach. Loved being the coach of the Jets. Loved he it. loved his players. Yep. Well, too much. Uh, too, too much. That's the other thing that keeps coming up, Cal, that nobody brings up. Like Christian Dyer wrote like five articles about why they should bring Rex back for another year and his players never quit on him and they play no. so hard for him and they all love him and all the testimonials rolling in. Of course his players love him. You know my theory on that. He defends them. He protects them from the media. They don't have to worry about ever getting thrown under the bus by their coach. They have no consequences for their play. He takes all the heat. There's no responsibility. There's no accountability. And he builds them up into all pros, every one of them, when they're Kyle Wilson. Of course they love playing for him. But that's why they love playing for him. They're not going to... They are not going to run through a wall for him, which is the common misconception. They just they, they love weren't him. running through any walls in San Diego, Cal. They weren't running through any walls in, you know, against the Bills twice, getting outscored like eighty-four to twenty in two games. I, I didn't see them running through any walls. Enough of that crap. They'll play for whoever's there next. Oh, one other thing. Back to the press conference. And then we could talk about the candidates, but we'll we'll have more time to do that next week because this is going to take a, a while. The the preparation comments that Woody made, I thought were fascinating. Yes. Because that's come out a ton, right? So mm-hmm. like DeMario Davis said that he didn't feel like they're preparing the right way. And then Wood, Damian Woody said it's hard. I really love playing for Rex. Rex is such a great player's coach, but Mangini always had us ready to go, and you never felt more prepared than you did with Mangini. And you, you know, and Woody even alluded to pop quizzes, which was a Mangini staple. Yeah, like apparently Mangini does that all the time. 
you know, would, would, would pop quiz a player like in the middle of every, like call him out in the middle of the room in front of his peers to see if they knew the game plan. Yeah. And Woody said, you know, you felt it sucked, but you felt prepared. And I had this conversation with somebody today about Rex. And one of his great failings is, or, or his great failings has been as a coach, is that he can't take, if that's the case, if players are feeling poorly prepared or they can't get the game plan in place because it's too complex or whatever, you take a player like Dewan Landry, right? Dewan Landry is a completely middling safety. Okay? If Dewan Landry is not well-versed in the game plan, the unbelievably complex game plan, Right, he's going to make a mistake. He's going to blow a coverage. He's not going to be in the right place when he's supposed to be. Right, and and then it's going to get written off to oh well he's not talented. Well, Rex doesn't have any talent in the secondary. Well, make sure you if you have a middling talent and he's unbelievably prepared, then at least he's in the right place. He's got a shot. At, that at least point. he's got a shot at making a play. Mm-hmm. That's what coaching up somebody with. Uh, preparation can do and it doesn't seem Rex could do that no it's really easy to win with Darrell Rivas and Antonio Cromartie as your corners you know it's really easy to look like a defensive genius that way because those guys are not going to blow assignments those guys are going to pick up on the game plan or Jimmy Leonard having Jimmy Leonard back there Mm -hmm. right Jim Leonard's going to be prepared He's going to be able to pick up the defense and know what's going on. Dewan Landry's a middling talent at best. So if he's a little confused about the scheme, because you're not teaching it well enough, you don't have him well enough prepared, you're not going to be able to make a play. Bingo. So I guess it takes, what, smart players and talented players to play in Rex's defense? Give me somebody who can coach him up. I like Quinn. I do like Quinn, Cal. The problem with Quinn, though, it's not a problem, but the thing with Quinn is take the talent away from Quinn, and what do you got? We don't know. But that talent is all third, fourth, and fifth round picks. Yeah, but that talent, that team is loaded with with extreme talent. Third and fourth and fifth round picks. Guys that they found. Well, but that's the scouting. And guys that he's putting in the right position to make plays. So look at Cam Chancellor. Look so at Cam, Cam Chancellor. Cam Chancellor is a better player because he's with Dan Quinn. No, I'm saying I think that Richard Cam, Sherman is a better I, player. I, Earl I, Thomas. I think that Cam Chancellor is used correctly right. by the coach. I I won't I won't argue Schematically, that. Schematically, what did we hear about Rex and Calvin Pryor? Why was Calvin Pryor ineffective this year? Because Rex wasn't going to use him the way he was used in college. He was going to use him the way he uses him in his system. And either Calvin Pryor is going to adapt to his system, or he's not going to be effective. Which is which is really interesting because we killed Brian Schottenheimer for years for trying to rightfully for trying so to, for trying to but but Rex we never mentioned nope. that about Rex well, because we didn't see it until until the last two years when guys like Revis were was were gone. Revis is an all time player. Yeah. An all-time player. You know, Jimmy yeah. Leonard was a great safety for Rex's scheme. 
what happens when you have players come in there that aren't that have different talents that you can't you're not going to find a way to utilize? I read a great article on Dan Quinn and it sold me. Not he's not he's I would guess he's my first choice, but I, I'd be fine with a but you know a couple other guys. But I read a great article about how and the entire gist of the article, Cal, was how he adapts to the players he has. It was like the anti-Rex. And it was, like, it was exactly like Chip Kelly said about his offense. I don't have an offense. I don't have a system. I have players and I try to fit them in. My system is whatever my quarterback is. My system is whatever my running backs and wide receivers are. And I think that's appealing about Dan Quinn. Would you sign for a Kirchner-Dan Quinn right now? Where's your first um, choice? Give me your first choice. First choice. Give me your first choice. Okay. What do you want? What do you want? What's your first choice? First choice? What's your first choice? <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> just hear Francesca yelling that at some caller. Give me your first choice! I, I don't know, Mike. I was thinking, I, your first choice. Who's your duo? I guess Quinn would have to be my first choice, right? He better be. No, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm kidding. <laughs> or else, I really, I don't, I don't know, I don't know because they're not gonna, they're not gonna bring in a Cower or a Gruden or any any guy like that. No, no, and like, I, that's you not know gonna, what? I'm okay. That's not going to happen. They're not. They're also not taking the Oakland Raider approach of bringing in every retread they can find under a rock. Mangini, Pat Shermer, uh, Tony Sperano. Pat Shermer. I mean, that's he whiz. Jack Del Rio. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. So, so I, I, I at least feel better that the Jets are taking a different approach. Yeah. Right. The names that we saw today, Frank Reich. Todd Bowles. Yep. Um, that Tom Cable, Tom Cable, and and uh, Gary Kubiak would just be retreads. I don't want either one of them. You know what though? Cable's not as bad as I thought he was. I went and took an honest look at it. the the biggest problem I would have with Cable is that he's Rex, like personality think? wise and stuff. Yeah, maybe. But he he got that Oakland team to eight and eight before Al Davis fired him. I mean, he had an 8-8 eight and eight season with the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> in recent memory. He's not, and he's been the assistant coach now with Seattle, and he's a really good offensive line coach. Like, I would not be, I don't want him, but he's not nearly as bad as his name sort of rings out to be. Yeah, Kubiak, yeah. I want no part of. No, no part of. There's no chance I want Oh, Kubiak. my goodness. I mean, the, the, the disaster that he had with quarterbacks and with Schaub and with the... the ta- no, no, no. No, no. Don't do that. Yeah. If you shoot him, you'll just make him angry. Um, I got to say, my first choice right now would be... I still love Scott McGlown. But I, I don't think that's going to happen, and I haven't seen his name out there. DeCosta's not going to happen. I wish they'd stop saying it. Just so ridiculous. You know what? Enough of that guy. Who is that guy? I know. Gee whiz. Take it easy. 
Everybody wants to interview the the Ravens. Eric, the co- calm down. Yeah. And he's just he's I look. He's the so he's the next he's the next. I'm not taking an interview. Okay, I can't take interviews. I think you know my situation. I don't know why I, I just paint him as like this complete jerk. Yeah, he probably might be. Like sitting behind his desk, like, look, I'm not sweating this. Is Ozzy Newsom going to live forever? <laughs> now, nah, enough with Takasa. He turned us down once. Enough. Now yeah. I hold I hold it against him now. So we'll see. I, 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 Kirshner, he, he's, he's got a good reputation. Kirshner has a tremendous reputation. Did you read the story about him like being in college and driving to the Combine on his own dime? Uh, Yeah. And, you know, just hanging around just to meet people because he wanted to break into football. Who was the guy that he saw that he spoke uh, to? Ah, it's my choice for offensive coordinator. Who was the guy that he spoke to when he was there? Mark Tressman. Then offensive coordinator, I believe, of the Cardinals. Uh, yeah. And Tressman, on the third day, gave him his extra pass. On the third day, he rose again? And then, boy, it is biblical up in here. Well, he did. Um, I think it was on the second day, actually, so I feel better about that. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, he gave him his pass, and he got to hang around. And he got to actually go in and meet guys. This is a guy who has been trying to scout since college. Yeah. Um, and it was probably at the at the right hand of the father <laughs> just to keep it going. You know, I, I've been thinking about how we talked ourselves into Idzik two years ago. Yeah. And how and we I mean we justified it that well he grew up around the Jets and he's got the Jets in his blood and his father coached there and anybody that says he doesn't know football they don't know what they're talking about I still because he's got I still football in his blood I still he grew don't up have a family I still don't have a problem with that I think I think maybe we might have we might have I think the idea it. I think the idea that he doesn't know personnel. And I think Woody actually even elbowed that a little bit because it's the narrative. Yeah. I I, I really do. I'm not saying the guy's, you know, Johnny Scout. That's not what I mean. No, but I I think he... I think Woodrow elbowed it a little bit. I don't think he... I don't think he knew as much as we thought he might have known but I don't think he's the complete idiot that everybody makes him out to be. I don't think he got a chance to also bring in his own scouting guys and have guys that he could rely on um, uh, to to do the scouting. I mean, look, we talk so much about scouting and, and draft and all this stuff now. I mean, this was like a, the NFL fan didn't know about this 10 years ago. No, you're right. Now anybody who watches a day on the combine when the offensive linemen go is a draft expert. Like it's, we don't know what goes on in these rooms, right? As much. So to to say that the guy is just a cap guy, or doesn't know personnel or whatever, I I think is is a little ridiculous. Now, are they going for a guy whose roots are more in scouting and less in? Uh, what Itzik was, you know, Itzik was doing a lot of administration and stuff like that. I mean, he was a player personnel guy in Tampa. Yeah, but you know what? The, the situation around the Jets has changed now because Itzik came in and took care of the business side of things. That's correct. So now they can focus solely hey, look, on right. player development. 
We've done it a million times on the show in 200 episodes. We'll do it again. We talked ourselves into them. Why? Because we had to. Um, but I don't necessarily think in this particular case we were completely wrong. I think, I think, the, well, idea, I think, we I think the idea that he's a cap guy is ridiculous. I don't but think he's, he's just a cap guy. He's not just a bean yeah, counter. I don't think he is. I think it would have been very interesting to see if he could have brought in his own player personnel guys. Maybe. We'll never know. You know, but that said, I, I, I feel like the guys that they're looking at for GM are player personnel guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the guy from the Eagles was like a scout, you know, like until like a year ago. You know, these, these, these guys are really knee-deep in player personnel and player evaluations, which should mean the end of Terry Bradway, right? It should, but, you know, I, I heard some things this week that made a lot of sense. Um, they've put a lot of work into preparing for next year's draft. It's very difficult to get rid of them no, now. No, you can't, you can't. No, that change won't be made until probably after the draft. Right. Or it'll be made piecemeal. He'll start bringing in whoever the new GM will start bringing in his own scouts to go along with the scouting department they have, and then after the draft, Bradway will be relieved. But you know what? If you bring in a guy who has a strong scouting background, you can get rid of Bradway. I'm quite. I mean, if that's one of the reasons I like McGlown. Yeah. Because he's been doing scouting this whole time. He runs a service, scouting service. Like he would probably look at Bradway's reports and be like, "Yeah, uh, we're good. Get out of my building." <laughs> I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with mine, thanks. Right. But do you do you do you like my second guy, Cal, is Frank Reich. I don't know enough about him. I read up on him a little bit today and I really like what I read. I really like what I read about his relationship with Philip Rivers. Um how he got I mean he got Philip Rivers to like a sixty nine percent completion percentage, thirty two touchdowns, forty five hundred yards. Yeah, but will Frank Reich be able to manage an entire team? I don't know. I feel he like was, he was I, an NFL player for 14 years, and 10 of them were under one of the better coaches, you know, of the 80s and 90s, and a Hall of Fame coach in Marv Levy. I have more. I have more. I feel more comfortable that Dan Quinn, who also would be his first job. Yeah, but I don't know. I I, I get the impression he's going to be. That's what Woody said. He needs him. He's looking for a manager. He needs a complete head coach. I mean, that was his shot at Rex, which he had to take. Yeah, that was his shot at Rex because that everybody everybody was looking for that. It's not touch. just about one side of the ball. It's I need a coach who's going to be offense, defense, special teams. Right. All right. Well, well I mean, they're certainly casting a wide net. Yeah, and it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen as quickly as people wanted to. Obviously, I think though, depending on the candidate. I think if the they, GM could ha- could happen quickly. Because if they interview Quinn, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say because there's no rules, right, with the front office people. It could be any time, right? Yeah, the rules aren't the same with the front office people. Like a director of player personnel's job is done at this point for the season. If they inter- if they interview Quinn on Friday, they are Saturday. interviewing him him and Tom Cable sure. on Saturday. Right. And Kirchner. And Kirchner. Let's say they like let's say they like Quinn. Mm-hmm. So they like both Quinn and Cable. Then they interview Kirchner. 
mm-hmm. they really like Kirchner. Yeah. Right? Um they're gonna hire they're they're gonna hire Kirchner and Kirchner is obviously gonna, gonna want Quinn. Right. Gonna want or cable. Or cable. Probably Quinn. Probably Quinn. Yeah. See, cable is what? The assistant head coach? Yes. And offensive They're, line coach. Right. So the assistant head coach is more of an experienced manager, right? Because the assistant head coach would be involved in more areas of the team. Oh, absolutely. Right? So that might be something that Woody's looking for. Could be. I don't know. And has also and has also been a head coach before. And you have this is Casterly and Wolf. They they've forgotten more football than anybody will ever know. Yeah. So I I feel good about the fact. I, I'm not making fun of the Jets for bringing in old timers to help out. I feel really good that they're on board to help advise Woody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. That's it. I have nothing else to say about that. Kirchner uh, is, you know, the director of player personnel or pro personnel for the Seahawks. He's really sort of sat at uh, John Schneider, sat next to John Schneider and built that team. Um, I like him quite a bit. Younger guy. Uh, his name's Trent. That'd be nice. Yeah. Well, what what did we call him? Tom? No, it's Tom Cable. Trent Kirchner. Oh, we didn't call I him. Think, any. I think I was okay there. Oh, I, I no, I'm just trying to remember. I don't think I used this person. You <laughs> you stayed safe. Uh, what do we make of uh, Bulls? And then we'll move on to the playoffs. I don't know. I read a, I read up on him today, too. I don't know. I'm a little iffy on Todd Bowles. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's the Dolphins connection. I don't know. Trent uh, Kirchner is our age. Yes, that's correct. Good grief. What's wrong with that? Well, we're sitting here talking about Trent Kirchner. Trent Kirchner is actually out there as a potential candidate. What are you going to do if they hire Elliot Wolf? They're not going to hire Elliot Wolf. Who's 32 years old? He's a kid. <laughs> I, I tell you what, he's in my top three. I'm going to hire him. I would love that. Yeah, I'm oh, going to hire I love him. That. Did you read about this kid? A little bit. He filed his first professional scouting report for the Atlanta Falcons at the age of 14. He's been he's 32. He's been a pro personnel scout for 10 years. <laughs> I I love him. I would take I would take him in a heartbeat. Really would. That's the truth. I really would I would love something like that. Take it but I Anytime you can get somebody from from Green Bay, and you know, you know it's the guy's grandson. It's Ron Wolf's grandson. I know. Can uh, son? It's not his grandson. It's or his son. Son? <laughs> He's not that young. Thirty-two. How old is Ron Wolf? Uh, Ron Wolf is like sixty something. Oh, I thought Ron Wolf was like eighty. He'd have to be like eighty. He'd have to be eighty. For him, if he's 32, <laughs> he'd have to be like 80 years old. It was my understanding there'd be no math. He'd have to be 114 years old. Yeah, that's weird. It's his son. He's going to interview his son? I know. He's going to recommend his son strongly. 
he can't interview him. He's going to have to recuse himself from the from the interview process. He's going to have to use the word recuse. Did I use it right? You sure did. Recuse. Everybody does. Everybody wins when that word gets in the mix. Let me uh, let me take you. We're gonna have. Uh, I feel good about this Jets talk. I'm excited. This is a huge, huge. Ter- I mean, Woody Johnson said he's like, yeah, it's a big spot. We got to get this right. We got to get this right. We got to make a smart hire here. We have to. And uh, I'm just glad, as you said a couple minutes ago, I'm glad that the guys sitting next to him know more football than we've forgotten. And uh, you know, he and he's finally leaning on football guys to advise him. The headhunters. Hey, look, Bill Polian signed off on John Itzik. That's all I have to say. He didn't really. Yes, he did. Um, moving on. We uh... last word. <laughs> <laughs> last word with Steve San Pietro. <laughs> the playoffs. Uh, Jim Moore Jr. A candidate for the Jets. No thanks. You hate his. Uh, you hate. And what about Gus Malzahn? What about Gus Van Zandt? <laughs> How about Steve Van Zandt? How about Little Stevie? Why not? He's a Jersey guy. Teams are all, players are all wearing bandanas. It's perfect. He's wearing a bandana on the sideline. Oh, whoa! One <laughs> uh, more wild card over here. First down. Do you think um, Matt Ryan's going to love being split out on a third and three? So Jacques, Jacques Rogers can take a, a direct snap. Oh, it's going to be great. I hope uh, Morning Ray goes with him. I hope it does too. <laughs> I think that'd be perfect. Uh, when are we doing the uh, Matt Ryan's Unbelievably Overrated podcast? We've done that a couple of times. <laughs> right. We've been doing that for four years. Right. This year, we're taking the year off because they didn't make the playoffs, so right. there's not much of a spotlight. Oh, but he's so good. How did they not make the playoffs? He's uh, he's so good. He's your arch nemesis. He is. You, you, you hate him so, so much. He's so overrated. He's just so overrated. Why do you hate him? Because he's just unbelievably, wildly <laughs> overrated. Ridiculous, but you hate him. I do. I really do. I hate his guts. <laughs> I really do. It's really it's so bizarre. Ir- it's so irrational. Completely irrational. <laughs> There's no good reason for me to hate Matt Ryan, and oh. I hate him. He shows up with so a football overrated. face on. <laughs> for your boys. Get a signed Matt Ryan jersey right. for Wesley. Football for Casey, and I'm like, you know what? Save it. Save it, buddy. <laughs> Save it. Hey, little man, you want to go have a catch? Nope. Come on. Wesley, you come back here. <laughs> Don't talk to that man. Matt Ryan. Matt overrated Ryan. That's what I call him. It's catchy. Oh, oh, oh. I think that'll catch. <clears throat> you you want to go? You want to go around the league real quick? I do. Uh, wild card weekend. Three teams from the AFC North. Is that real? Is that a real thing? Yeah, that's happened. That's happened before with with teams. I know. From other I just didn't expect it this year. Why? I don't know. I didn't expect it with the Steelers, Ravens, and Bengals. Well, three good teams. I didn't expect uh, Le'Veon Bell to be the greatest player in the history of running backs and have you know 2,800 yards from scrimmage or something. Right, other than DeMarco Murray. But. Well, I, he had almost the same year, just quietly. quietly. Um, let's go around these games. I am planning on... Around the horn. Yeah. 
All right, sir. I think that's the title of a show already. That's what we're going to do. All right. Can we uh, get a different title for that? Because I feel nope. like that's... Oh, right. That's a football term. Around the horn. Here we go. Let's go. Uh, okay. First game. All right. Can I... Uh, Okay. From the hip. All right. Can I please just get started here? <laughs> Cardinals Panthers. Yes. <laughs> Go on. How's how's this going to work? You're just going to say the the name of the game. And I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by these matchups. The, the Panthers what finished at six eight and one? Is that correct? Seven eight and one. Seven eight and one. Under five hundred. But the Panthers have been playing well the last few weeks. Yes, they have. Cardinals have gone in the opposite direction. Well, they're starting Brian Lindley. Losing three out of their last five. They have a third-string quarterback in the game. Third is being kind. On the depth chart. Correct. And this is a home game for the Panthers. Panthers get the home game. How do you feel about that? Give me your hot take on a losing team hosting a playoff game. It's the same one I had with the Seahawks a couple years ago. And Uh, they won. And they did win. They beat a very good New Orleans team. So I want to hear it again. Remind the folks. I don't. I don't love it, but I don't have a huge problem with it. Now, a few years ago, I said, "Oh, it's such an aberration. It rarely happens and stuff." And then it happens three years later. Twice in three years, maybe you need to take a look at it. Uh, But I don't have a huge problem with it. I don't. If you win your division, you get a home game. I mean, that's it. You know, I, I don't have a huge problem with it. How many times that NFC North has been a, just a killer division where you could win eight or nine games and not even make the playoffs? This year just happened to be a down year. Yeah. Yeah, no, d- definitely. Yeah. Um, we got? I, I like the Panthers in that game. Panthers. Yeah, I do. Score? You got a score? I love Cam Newton. Is there any way he shakes free? Any way at all? No, not at all. All right. No, he, he signed a really long-term contract. I don't have a score. The Cardinals have done such an unbelievable job, you know, uh, on like third-string quarterbacks, third-string defensive linemen. Yeah, they've done an unbelievable job. What they finish eleven and five? Eleven and five, but they, yeah. they were eight and one at one point. They were eight and one, but um, still, you know, no Drew Stanton, no Carson Palmer, no Drew Stanton. They, they, I think it's the end of the road, as boys to men once. Said. Mm, really? What? No good? I guess. Boys, Boys to men? men? BBC? East BBC? Coast Family? BBD. Not BBD. BBD. Not, not the BBC. Not the BBC. No. They have nothing to do with the BBC. Back in school, we used to dream about this every day. Okay. Uh, Raven Steelers. Raven Steelers blood match. Wow. <laughs> to the death? It is. It's a steel cage match. Boy, I hate both these teams. I really do. I really strongly dislike both these teams. I can get I can get a little bit behind Pittsburgh. Baltimore. Oh, I you're like a terrible person. Come on. Uh, yeah. I Why am. would you ever root for the Steelers? Don't do that. I like Tomlin. Because they have they have enough. They don't need us. <laughs> they have enough. I like Tomlin. They, can I like Tomlin? No. Oh, okay. I'm rooting for this game's cancellation. I hate Tomlin. There you go. Turned oh, it around. Turn the beat around. Pick. We're not picking this game. We're not even picking this game. We hope they both lose. God, the Ravens. How do they make the, how do they make the playoffs again? The Remind Ravens me. The, the Ravens made the playoffs because the Chargers are awful. But didn't the Ravens go? Uh, the Ravens finished what? Ten and six. So Raven. 
<laughs> but they finished nine and they finished nine one. and seven, right? No, I thought it was ten and six. They were nine and seven. They were nine and seven. They were nine and zero oh against. Or what were they like? Eight and one against under five hundred teams. Uh huh. And they were zero oh and six against over five hundred teams. There's nothing worse than a poser team like that. Yeah. Nothing worse at all. Yeah. And they'll win. They'll win that game twenty-seven nothing. Who cares? Uh, Go to the NFC. The other games: Detroit, uh, Detroit, and Dallas. Well, the early game on Sunday is Bengals Colts, and this game I'm fascinated by. Why? Because Andrew Luck, enough with Andrew Luck. Oh, here we go. Now you're going to get out Andrew Luck. <laughs> no. Every quarterback in the league. He's that whole team. Like, they could, would they finish 11-5? and five? Yeah. They won the division. They could get they could get smoked in this game like Mozzarella. But they won't because they're playing Cincinnati, who can't get out of the first round. Is this the year? Is this the, is this is the this year? The Marvin, is this the Marvin Lewis first ever playoff win? They're going to get out of the first round this year? Yeah. Andy Dalton is all of a sudden going to remember how to be a quarterback in the playoffs? Probably not. Andy Dalton is the as Colts bad... The good, though, Cal. They're not you good. Want a hot, yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to give it to you right now. Andy Dalton has Uh-oh. been as bad a quarterback in the playoffs as I've ever seen a quarterback be wow. in the NFL. Wow. He's all, when, he hit, when the playoffs strike 12... What? I don't think that's a thing. He's awful. He turns into Cinderella. A red-headed Cinderella. That's exactly what he turns into. He's awful. <laughs> and you can't have that. You can't have a red-headed Cinderella. You cannot have a red-headed Cinderella or a pumpkin, for that matter. That's what he turns into. He turns into, into a, pumpkin. a pumpkin. There you go. He's great for 17 weeks. Well, and then the bright lights great, turn on of the playoffs. Great is strong. He's had a good year. He had one of the worst games in the history of the NFL. He's awful. This year. He stinks. He's an awful quarterback. He's also going to make uh, about a $85 million guaranteed, too. That contract is baffling. I feel really good about the fact that we're going to be sitting here next week talking about how bad he was yet again. <laughs> okay. So you like the Colts in that game? I like the Colts big. Huge? Big or huge? couple touchdowns. couple few? 10, 10 to 14 points, I like them. Okay. In that I, like, I like the Bengals. Like a... 31-17 game. Okay. Okay. And then lastly, Lions-Cowboys. Cowboys back in the playoffs after five years. My brother-in-law is dancing in the streets. That's a heck of a first-round game, too. It's fantastic. And uh, Namdekan. Namdekan? Namdekan, too. How do you dress when you go to Namdekan? <laughs> You have to wear a Lions jersey? Like a punk. Um, he's getting to play. Can you? Did you see what he did? Yes. Did you see it? Yes. Okay. Several times. And yes. he, he won his appeal. He did win his appeal. My brother-in-law was very upset. It's ridiculous. Um, that's going to be a heck of a game. Because they can stop the run. They can't stop the pass. And... Drew Stafford's another one. I gotta see something. I got it. Drew Stafford though. I got it. I mean, um, Matt Stafford. Who's Drew Stafford? I don't know. He's a combination of Drew Stanton and Matthew Stafford. I think Drew Stafford was on the Young and the Rest. <laughs> I think that's who that was Doctor Drew Stafford, <laughs> and he was blind, that's right, <laughs> and pregnant with your baby. He was blind in one eye. 
So oh, right. he, he had depth perception problems while he was doing surgery. He, he had to turn his head <laughs> and like, only look one I way. Think, I think I'm in there. Hold on. Hold on. I think. Did I get it? I feel like I got it. Uh, <laughs> that's the spleen? Ah, uh, that's the spleen. Damn it, Mary. I'm a doctor blind in one eye. I'm a blind in one eye doctor. How do you expect me to do this? In Port Charles, Chester. Dr. Drew Stafford. Dr. Drew Stafford. In Dr. Dr. Port Charles, Chester. (laughs) (laughs) I like the the Cowboys in this game. But Matthew Stafford's another one. I got to say, it's just so overrated. Come on. Let's, Let's see something. Is this the year Romo, Tony Romo gets the monkey off his back? Is this the year that it happens? Their defense is not good enough. They can, it, they can it's win just not. They can win a playoff game. They can win a playoff game. He's won a playoff game, haven't they? Yeah, he has. Maybe he won. won. They won, I thought, five years ago. Maybe he won playoffs. Last game. time they were in the playoffs, I thought they lost in the divisional round. That's the year that he threw the interception in the end zone, right? In Did Seattle, he? Or he fumbled the ball? Maybe. No, no, no. That was on a hold. Oh. That's when he was. That was like oh seven, maybe. A long time ago. Yeah. That's how. That's how long. Yeah. That this narrative has been going on about Tony Romo. Yeah. I think they win this game. I don't think they can get to the dance. Um. Really what? good weekend. I won't be watching any of the games, but really good weekend. Why not? I am going. I am going away with the wife. Oh, how nice! For her fortieth birthday. Good. Good for all of you. Thank you. Well, yeah. without the kids either. Too. That, that's even better. Yeah, that's going to be crazy, John. Happy New Year. Happy Merry New Year. Baby New Year. Baby. <laughs> that's not happening. No? Uh, you don't no. have your sash? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> and my top hat. And your diaper? <laughs> and my big ears. Oh, baby New Year. With the pin. With the huge <laughs> pin. And a cigar. Yeah, and a cigar. And a beard. And that is where we decided to end part one of Ready to Unload with Callan Sampete, episode number 210. Please go to the website, rtusports.com, or uh, subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. Okay, uh, look out for the fun load portion of this episode, which will probably be out this coming Monday, RTU number 211. We talked about our favorite TV, movies, and music of the new year, or the last year as it were, um, and uh, just generally had a fun time. So um, thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next week on RTU.